Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning. You may be seated. Those of you that are at home, well, you're probably already sitting or laying, so enjoy. Uh, it's always a pleasure and honor for me to be here speaking on a Sunday. Um, my name's Tim Buttry. For those of you that don't know me, that might be because of COVID and you've been coming to the church uh, since. It might be for other reasons, but nevertheless, I'm not a stranger here as much as you might think that I am. Uh, we've been here for about 16 years, uh, my wife and I, and we've been a part of the church in many, many different ways. Uh, but for the last year, it's been a very challenging and unique one for us and for all of you, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, I'm just glad to be here. My wife, Linda, is sitting right over here. We will be married 41 years in June. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm pleased to have my daughter, Rachel, and my grandson, Jake, visiting from Dallas that's here today, too. So welcome them. And I'm here because Pastor Gill asked me to speak this morning because it is Kelly's birthday weekend and they needed a respite. They needed some time away, alone, and it's always meaningful to me when he calls me and asks me to speak in his place, especially for something that has to do with relationship. Uh, you may be aware that I'm a part of True Relationships. We're an organization here in the Dayton area. We've been here for quite a while. We do a lot of different things. Primarily now we're doing counseling. So we have a counseling office in Kettering that we haven't used since March. And uh, we are doing all of our counseling virtually and it has been profound. God has opened up doors. He has called people to us. People are finding us because they're looking for someone that can meet with them. So we've, uh, we've seen some incredible miracles, actually, uh, in the last year. And uh, so if you know anyone that needs some counseling, uh, my specialty is relationships. We have two other counselors that work in all kinds of different areas. They're licensed therapists, and I'm a pastoral counselor. So my, my primary role is working with crisis couples. And so if you know anybody that's depressed during this, finding anxiety overriding them, uh, or their marriage is on the, on the edge because they're spending too much time in the same house, um, whatever it might be, uh, we'd love for you to refer them to us. So truerelationships.org, easy to find us, all right? This morning, I, I thought it would be appropriate, and maybe I'm overdoing it, but in light of what we've been through in this year of COVID-19, by the way, how many of you have had COVID-19? Okay. They are the safest people in the room, just so you know. All right? You can take your mask off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's been a pretty crazy time. And... Um, Maybe some of you, like me, have put on a few extra pounds. I was really worried about today, honestly, being on camera. You know, you've all heard that, right? That being on camera puts on like 10 pounds. It's like, dang it, what's going to happen? But nevertheless, here I am, and um, 
I'm going to look past that, so I hope you will too. But in light of all of that, I've come to realize over the years that circumstances, circumstances like COVID-19, circumstances like losing jobs or whatever the case might be, circumstances are never circumstantial. So I'll explain what I mean by that. So let me ask you this. How many of you would say that you have a problem? Have a problem, okay? It's COVID-19, so I would imagine that all of you could probably say that you have a problem, all right? It has been said that you either have a problem, you, you are the problem, or you're sitting next to a problem. I don't want to know which one of those works, but nevertheless. So what do I mean by circumstances are never circumstantial? The big idea is that nothing is happening outside of Father God's purview. In our short-sighted, myopic consideration of the world that we live in, it may seem like there are accidents, unnecessary tragedy. Can't help but think of my good friend, a pastor in Troy. He's been through some horrific circumstances in his life. And about 13 days ago, his 29-year-old son was cutting down a tree. The limb broke, fell on him, crushed him, instantly dead. I met with my friend this week, and he, told, he talked for two hours. Just had to get it all out, you know? I mean, he's had to grapple with these ideas about circumstances, and why was his kid where he was, and why did this have to happen to him, and hasn't he been through enough, and all of those kinds of questions. God-fearing people are coming to realize that there's a, a higher perspective. Look at Hebrews 14 with me, for, uh, Hebrews 4 for, for a moment. And here's what the writer of Hebrews said. There is nothing that can be hidden from God. Everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes. And it is to him that we must all give an account of ourselves. I, I, I think Job certainly qualifies as a person with uh, some big problems. Job asked why. You know that, right? He didn't just sit there and accept all the horrible things. He was confused. Why were these circumstances happening to him? Was God in it or not? So I'm sure he was confused by his grievous circumstances. He questioned God, and God sort of set him straight. Job finally makes a statement that I think we should all make, and it's found in Job chapter 42. And it simply says this, I, and he's, he's speaking to God, after all of this stuff is going on, and he's wondering why God did this, and then he makes this statement, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. 
I've been thinking about some miracles that we need in our family and realized something that I didn't necessarily appreciate formerly. That is, what do you think is the most important ingredient for getting a miracle? What does it take? What's the most important ingredient for getting a miracle? Some would say prayer. I've known a lot of people being in the ministry that, uh, that really pushed the idea of it, it has to take faith. I'm not arguing with that, but I personally don't think that's the only or the primary ingredient. However, I do believe there is only one ingredient present in every miracle in the Bible. For a miracle to happen, you have to have a problem. We don't like problems, do we? We don't like negative or demanding circumstances, but without them, we can't get to a place where we are asking God to intervene. And many times people are wondering, why is this happening? And and often in counseling, I will help people see that God is not doing this to hurt you. He's doing this so that you turn to him. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to do this on your own. But sometimes we humans, the only way we get that message is when we're in trouble. It has been said that even atheists pray when they're at a point of no return. Paul had to learn to trust God in and through his many circumstances. We too have many circumstances that challenge our faith, try our patience, or test our mettle. Through Paul's many experiences, he was able, even in this seemingly negative situation that we're going to look at, to see the good in it. A quick journey through Paul's life might teach us some principles that will cause our attitude to fly high above our circumstances. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Verses 12 through 15. Paul says this. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So what is he saying? He said, I know my circumstances are negative. My circumstances seem overwhelming. But look at what has happened because of those negative circumstances. Now, he didn't have to look there. He didn't have to see that vantage point. He chose to see that it was actually causing advancement in the gospel. As a result, he said, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, which by the way, if you didn't know it, this guy is in prison while he's writing this. So the whole palace guard has come to realize this and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Next frame. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously. I I can't help but underline the word most. (laughs) 
It's like, it wasn't everybody. Everybody could not see that angle. They could not get their head around the positive part of what was happening. But he said most of the brothers have been encouraged to actually speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Next. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Okay, so all the way through, he is recognizing that there's more going on outside of his circumstances because of his circumstances. Paul wrote this epistle, as I mentioned, while bound in prison. At that point, he was a seasoned warrior of the gospel, having endured every conceivable hardship and human affliction. If you've studied Paul's life, you know the kinds of things that he faced in his life, and not even in his life, more about in his walk of faith. He endured shipwrecks, beatings, persecutions, hunger, thirst, nakedness, defamation of character, and much more. Paul was not writing to the church simply to tell of his war stories. That was not his purpose, his plan, or his goal. He was defining for us that living the faith life would also involve struggles for us. He wrote in verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had. And now, he says, hear me, I'm still having it. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in those circumstances. And yet, I'm able to see that God is using it. Can we do that? Can we do that now? Can we do that in light of COVID-19? Can we do that in light of our political chaos? Can we do that in spite of our social unrest? We must begin to see the bigger picture that God is in control. There are some principles revealed in Paul's life that I think teach us how to find joy and no success in spite of troubles. Let me just point out a few. The first one is contentment. Philippians 4, verse 12. I know that it is to be, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, 
We all know that last phrase, and we've used it in lots of different things. But he's talking about some pretty practical stuff here. The strength that he gets from God is about living, is about fulfilling the expectations that God has on us to just take care of our family, to be able to provide what's necessary, to love them, to care for them, to make them feel safe and secure. That's, that's the big idea. And yet, unfortunately, because of a lack of contentment, we often fail just to fulfill those basic hierarchical needs of ourselves and others, just to care for those basics. Contentment says, uh, Catherine Marshall said this, which I think is uh, enough on its own. But contentment says, true, this is my situation at the moment. I'll look unblinkingly at the reality of it, but I'll also open my hands to accept willingly whatever a loving father sends. You know, you got to appreciate someone like Catherine Marshall that had some pretty drastic circumstances in her life, losing her husband, and actually that's the main thing that I know of. But she was able to make this statement, and I wonder if we can or are willing to learn that kind of contentment. David Wilkerson, I don't know. How many of you remember David Wilkerson? Okay, uh, just one of those great evangelists, uh, did some great things in New York City. Uh, was the one that uh, built, designed, whatever you want to call it, Teen Challenge that's still going strong today. But he, he was a preacher as well. And he preached a message once that I heard on this topic entitled, Don't Waste Your Afflictions. <laughs> okay, seriously, that, that, I, I just love the title, okay? Because we all have afflictions, circumstances, bad things that happen to us. But he said, don't waste those times. Don't waste those situations. And here's what he said to do or what not to do. He said, we waste afflictions by whiny, murmuring, complaining behavior. Don't, don't, don't waste your circumstance, your negative situation. Don't waste it on whining and complaining. Second thing, he said, we waste afflictions when we face new ones without remembering our deliverances from old ones. Now, see, David had that down pat. He was able to look at Goliath and say, ah, no problem. My God delivered me from the hand of the bear and the lion. He will also deliver me from this Philistine. He remembered what God had done before and it encouraged and strengthened him in the now. What has God done for you, my friends? What can you look back on and say, I don't have to worry about my circumstances because God has always come through for me. 
I don't know. I hope you could say that. I'm thankful that I could stand here before you and say that that is true for me. Now, I, I'm not saying that I've met everyone being able to say that, but I've been able to see that God has always been there and always come through. And so that helps me as I move into other circumstances that are undesirable. And I can say, God is in control. He always has. He always will. And if you haven't been able to say that, if you haven't experienced that, then I challenge you to let that be the case now. Prove God. God gave you the opportunity. He even said, test me. Test me. See if I won't. He will. The third thing David Wilkerson said was we waste our afflictions when we refuse to see that God brings us through them in order to teach others. Mine and Linda's whole ministry is based on major failure in our lives that God used so that we could found true relationships to help others, in particular couples. When we don't see that possibility, we lose out and we find ourselves discontented. So, we're to share our experiences with our brothers and sisters to prove God's faithfulness to them. I can go into a counseling session with a couple that have experienced adultery and you can name a hundred other things. And I can go into that with faith and belief because I know what God can do. And sometimes I have hope when they don't. I have faith when they don't, and that's okay. I'll carry them down to that place, just like the disciples did of the sick man and dropped him through the roof so that Jesus could heal them. Sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to use our afflictions to help others. So contentment doesn't give up. It gives in to God. It is a humility. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a humility that accepts the will of God. We can proclaim God's word that says, and we know, everybody say, we know. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We have a destiny in Christ. We are not captive to our circumstances Don't allow your circumstances to get the best of you. Instead, make the most out of your circumstances. The second thing Paul teaches us is experience, which is basically maturity, you know, growing up in Christ. He said, because of my chains, I mean, that takes maturity (laughs) to be able to look at chains that are binding you and say, eh, God's in control. Uh, I've experienced this kind of thing before. It's all okay. Corey Tinboom said, every experience God gives us, let's see. Yeah, one more, please. One more frame, please. Oh, sorry. 
I, I must have taken it out. I'm sorry, my apologies. Corey Tinboom said, every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future only he can see. You gotta love people like Corey Tinboom, don't you? I mean, the practicality of that statement, the simple faith of that kind of statement that every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. Everything you go through as a Christian is a training exercise behind which God has a divine purpose. The moment you were born again, he enrolled you in his school of suffering. Sorry, folks. Didn't mean to pop your bubble or ruin your day, but I'm just here to tell the truth that suffering, struggling, chaos, circumstances go with the territory on this planet and especially as followers of Christ because we are not of this world. And so there's gonna be some chaos involved. Every affliction, every circumstance is another lesson in his curriculum. My point is God wants veterans of spiritual warfare, people who have been through, through, everybody say through, through many circumstances and afflictions. I always think about when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat and Jesus told them to go to the other side. They get into the middle of the lake across which they were yet to get to and a storm hits and they freaked out. Their circumstances scared them and they thought they were gonna die, but they forgot one thing. Jesus said, go to the other side. <laughs> I just remembered that 20 years ago when we were kind of beginning the ministry that's now True Relationships, I, I almost called it Go to the Other Side Ministries <laughs> because I knew that there was stuff that we went through that God used to get us somewhere and he will do the same for you. My point is through, through many afflictions, to prove to the next generation his faithfulness. See, you, I want to prove to Jake that God is faithful, God is good. Will we have troubles? Yep. Will we think we can't make it? Yes, and those are the times that you will find out how great God is, not how bad your circumstance might be. My third final point, Paul taught us about progress. Paul says to his Christian brothers that what has happened to him has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The noun translated advance here in the scriptures is a Greek word, propoke, prokope, I should say, prokope. It's a Greek word that originally was a technical term from the nautical world, meaning to make headway in spite of blows, referring to a ship at sea striving against the wind. Both the verb and the noun came to mean 
progress. They were also used in Stoic philosophy to speak of the movement from being unwise to wise. You got to fight through some stuff to go from unwise to wise. And I think that a lot of times we believe, and rightly so, that it takes many years, and that's why we refer gray hair to wisdom, because it takes time to mature, to grow up, to get it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, that we've been looking at, refers to the progress of the gospel in spite of what might naturally have been thought to impede its progress. What are you allowing to be an excuse for advancing the gospel? For moving to the next level in your own life? I know I said that three was my final, but I was wrong. There's actually a fourth one. And that is results. Paul helped us see that results are a part of circumstances and struggles. James Allen said, men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are unwilling to improve themselves. They therefore remain bound Man, I wish I were that smart. Just think about that. We want to change our circumstances. That doesn't produce. God wants us to change ourselves. And that is what sets us free. What is somewhat lamentable is the fact that Paul's imprisonment only spurred on most of and not all of the believers to speak the word. And further, it is sad that it took imprisonment of another brother to bring it about. And that even then, some of the Christians did not do it with proper motivation. They were preaching the gospel, at least in method and message, but there was some other things must have not been very kosher that some of the people didn't like. So... These so-called posers were creating some difficult circumstances, even though the essentials of the gospel was accurate, but Paul chose to rejoice that Christ was preached. When we miss the true results, when we miss the true results, we miss the opportunity to be grateful to see what God is doing behind the scenes, to see that, in fact, there is something to be thankful for, not blindly accepting them, not candy-coating the situation, not lying to ourselves in the name of positive confession. Paul learned to look for what God was doing in every circumstance. That is the great takeaway for all of us. Look for what God is doing, and you might be surprised by what our circumstances are producing. With Jesus as Lord, circumstances 
are never circumstantial. Pastor Life is going to come and just pray for us and cement these things in our hearts. Thank you so much, Tim. Let's pray together. Please bow. Father, help us to see you, to see what you are doing. And we all admit, as, as Tim has shared and your word reveals, Lord, we get lost in the circumstances. We get confused. Um, we get shook. And we need you. And you're working and you're moving through everything that's going on in our lives. As hard as it is, you're moving and you're working and you are there. And we thank you for your faithful love, your faithful strength, and your faithful help, even when it's difficult for us to see you. But please help us. Please help us to see you in those circumstances. We need your help and ask that your Holy Spirit would strengthen us in this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.